Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. And here we are again in the studio And I just want to say hello to you, Emily. Well, hello to you, Michelle. That's a very calm and subdued hello for you. That's how I'm feeling today. (laughs) I'm feeling a little calm and subdued, a little classy, a little elegant. I love it. Yeah. That's great. I've been eating some of our fancy cheeses and mm-hmm. um, and our the, Turkish apricots. Oh my god, I love the Turkish apricots. That's great. So those are a find at Trader Joe's, and I am wild about them. Forget potato chips. I want Turkish apricots. They're probably healthier for you than potato chips, well, anyway. I think, so. I think so. That's what my guess is. Yeah. But you know, it's another lovely day here in St. Louis um, for us to record. You know, spring is yeah. inching its way. Hallelujah. You know, it's, yeah. Um, we've had a lot of rain. I'm a little concerned about the. It's good for our plants. It it's is. good for our it grass. Is. You know, our rivers are getting a little swollen. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Says Emily, as long as she has her bottle of wine, everything is going to be just fine. I think that you might be happy about this selection in comparison. Like the last episode, you were a little like, it was tough to convince you. But I think this time I might have gotten it right. So Yeah, well, I already like the way this one smells like a ton better than the episode last week. Well, wonderful. Well, this time mm. we are going to a different part of the world. Yeah. We are going to Australia. Oh, I like Australia. To the Kunawara region. The what region? Kunawara. Kunawara. Okay. Doesn't that sound like that should be a song? Like, like it sounds like it some probably dance is. song. It yeah. probably is. <laughs> so um, this is from the Penley Estate. It's called Phoenix. It's from 2013. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon. This is very interesting. I mean, on the nose, I'm getting, you know, you get the oak and cedar on the nose. The next thing that came right into my nostrils was some eucalyptus, which is such a unique aromatic, but I definitely get this. Cassis, black currant, little blueberry, little cinnamon. I mean, and then when you taste it, I get blackberry and violet, a little um, little kind of mintiness and some dust and pencil shavings. Uh, what are you What are you getting? Well, you had me until you mentioned dust and pencil <laughs> shavings. Um, you know, unless that's like you know just because the dust from the bottle or something like that. This is a phenomenal tasting wine, and I am not even going to try to say I taste X Y Z. Um, but this is a bottle that is so good. It's so easy to drink. And it's like, it's, it's like, to me, it has like texture and, and there's depths and levels to it that is not just, you know, flavored water. Mm, this is um, okay. Yeah. This right. Is, um, this is like a story that's unfolding with every sip. Oh, how eloquent. A story that's unfolding wow, with story. every sip. Absolutely. You want to hashtag that? We're probably going to oh, use oh, that. Oh, we are definitely going to use that. Because it's true. I mean, yes, mm, it's phenomenal. So yeah. I, yes, Emily, I do like this bottle of wine. Thank you for choosing it. Oh, God. And I love I'm, Australia, so that's even better. 
Have you ever been? No, I haven't. It's on my yeah. it's on my to go to, but I watch all of the Australian television shows that are on my <laughs> that are on my Hulu and on my Acorn TV and Amazon. Well, we should ask our guest if she's ever traveled. Do you want to introduce our guest today, Michelle? I will introduce our guest. Our guest joining us on today's episode is Miss Carol Devon. Hello, Carol. Hi. Welcome so to wonderful to the have podcast. you here. Thank you. It's a new experience for me. <laughs> um, being on our podcast. Yeah. Well, being on a podcast. On a podcast. <laughs> well, we uh, we think you're going to be just fine. And our <laughs> guests are going to absolutely enjoy your your presence Insight. here. Just like um, just like we have when we've ah, uh, gotten together. So good. thanks for like working your schedule and being able to be with us here today. Okay. Yeah. So have I have not you? ever been well, to Australia. Yeah. The closest I've been to Thailand, Ooh. but never to Australia. Oh. Is it on New your Zealand. bucket list too? Um, it, the older I get, <laughs> the longer my bucket list is, which is a problem for finding the time to go to all those wonderful places, but um, not in the foreseeable future. Okay. But I would love to go to New Zealand, oh. I think, more than Australia. Oh, me too. And in fact, Michelle and I did a vision board a few months ago, mm-hmm. kind of mapping out what's to come for Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. And on our vision board was Hobbiton. Like, mm. I would like to visit Hobbiton. And that's in New Zealand. Yes. And see, when Emily talks about mm-hmm. like why she'd want to go to New Zealand, it's because of that. Me, I think <laughs> of this phenomenal woman-owned production company that if I could be, if, if other than this podcast being like the best job ever, mm-hmm. the best opportunity, if I could write for South Pacific Pictures... Oh. I would I would want to work for them. It's a female owned production company, televisions, movies down in New Zealand, and they have um, they've made it part of their business um, mantras. Not the right word. Business ethics that they will always try to have at least sixty percent of their crew or their um, suppliers or whatever also be women owned. That is. Fabulous. I love it. Well, so now we know what is on the Michelle vision board. Right. So when we go down to to New Zealand, Emily will go visit Hobbiton and I'll be like, hi. Hi. Can you guys give me a job? I'm all for it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then, of course, you know what the prime minister there, how she responded to. She was very impressive, Mm. wasn't she? Oh, my gosh. Mm. And has the support of her country. Absolutely. I thought. She made what for us is so difficult. She made that seem easy and sort of matter of fact. And of course, this is what we're going to do in response to this tragedy. Right. I wish that we had more people who in our country who would. Do you want recognize to recognize the challenge. For... Well, right. So, yeah. the, if any of our listeners have not um, heard of the the shooting in the mosque in New Zealand, mm. this is what we're referring to, and how the Prime Minister of New Zealand responded to it, and um, and that this the country, the Parliament there, you know, mm-hmm. within a week had uh, re- restructured their gun laws mm-hmm. and, uh, and outlawed assault rifles. 
you know, because of that. And, and it wasn't even, you know, and it was an Australian that had come over and, and purchased the guns and, and had, mm-hmm. had murdered the, the immigrants and the Muslim people in their mosque as they were praying. And, um, yeah, I thought her, I thought her compassion and her composure and her authenticity in the pain that、I、she、agree. felt for every, every single family was, Completely, nobody、totally、said thoughts and prayers. Nobody、mm-hmm. offered thoughts and prayers. It was unnecessary. They offered, say that, they offered and, action, but、um, yes, right. Because yes,、yeah. because let's do something. Let's、mm-hmm. don't just talk about it. Right, right. It, which is which to those of us who feel and similarly inclined, like the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I, you know, I. I was so concerned back when、uh, George W. Bush let the、uh, ass- assault ban、um, expire and he didn't reinstate it. And, you know, and of course, that came about because of the,、um, the attack on、um, Brady.、Mm-hmm. And so there was like those gun reforms came in because of, well, it was the attempted assassination of Reagan. But his,、um, what was he? Was he a Secretary of State? I don't know. I'll have to check no, for sure. No, he was the press secretary. He was a press secretary. And he got hit and,、mm-hmm. um, in the head.、Mm-hmm. And so there was some, it was called Brady's Law. Then there was the assault weapons ban. And it was only going to, you know, why we have to do things that only last 10 years, right? And then when George W. Bush was president, he let that ban expire and did not reinstate it. Again, that was when the Republicans were also in charge of Congress at the same time. And you can probably. You know, count off on, our ha- on both hands the numbers of,、um, of mass murders that have, that have taken place since then, since the assault weapons have come back in. And I don't know, I don't know what, like, what's, what's the bottom? You know, what's、mm-hmm. our rock bottom when it comes to in our, in our country to,、uh, for us、mm-hmm. to make those so changes? So many of us thought Sandy Hook was the bottom, but we've moved on. Well, I from mean, there. You, you would have thought that the massacre at, at the Las Vegas Country Music Festival would have been rock bottom. You would have thought, you know, going into the, the Southern Baptist Church was rock bottom. You would have thought Parkland Hills, Parkland, Parkland、mm-hmm. High School was rock、mm-hmm. bottom. You know what's Amazing is the number of people who believe that these aren't actually real events, that they're some made up ploy by the government, you know, to, or, or, or in today's facet, climate,、right. it's the news media making right. it up. Right. Right. Fake news. Right. It's amazing to me. Well, I mean,、um, if you are not a, an, a conscious consumer of the information that's being That's being presented in front of you, you can be, let yourself be led down a path that, that is、um, disinformation, it is propaganda, and that you take on as truly be, uh, true belief. And I remember when I was studying abroad and we were traveling across Europe backpacking, and we went to Amsterdam and went to the Anne Frank House. And、uh, what's so kind of powerful about that house is a couple things, but It's a lot smaller than in the movie.、Mm-hmm. It's a lot smaller than what they lived in. And, you know, they crouched down and,、mm-hmm. you know, and it had to be so quiet. And I, I remember just feeling, I was like, wow, if I were a young girl, Anne's age, and, and just that constant terror that,、mm-hmm. you know, if,、oh, if, if somebody's downstairs and they hear my, my step on the, on the floorboard or whatever, you know, our lives c o u l d be over.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when you see it in a movie and the, that's a set. You know,、yeah. you have, it has to be big enough for the cameras、yeah. <laughs> and stuff, but it's so much smaller.、Yes. And then you come down the very narrow stairs 
to the bottom, and there's a museum, and it's all of the materials that people have been preparing or putting out there since World War II that says the Holocaust was fake. Oh. And they, they've cataloging it and they're holding on to it so that you can see, look, there are people that still believe that the Holocaust was fake. Mm-hmm. So if if that millions upon millions of, of people mm-hmm. in concentration camps and deaths can be considered not real, mm-hmm. of course somebody can be led to believe that these mass murders and these shootings and can also be uh, fake. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't, I did not intend to come on here no. today and just like, <laughs> no, we, sure. we, got, this we is, got off into this some, is, but uh, this just is as a, a tangent here, mm-hmm. there's a wonderful Holocaust museum in St. Louis at the Jewish mm-hmm. um, um, whatever their campus is called. I've the, forgotten what the, the JCC the Jewish Community Center? Um, yes, we, we I think okay. that. Um, but anyway, it's not large, but it's very well done. And I was there with a group a couple of years ago, maybe, and they um, brought um, an actual uh, Holocaust survivor. She was sweet, probably, in her... 90s maybe who came in and just talked about her experience as a child in you know mm. this time of terror and so forth and uh, that's that's amazing it is called the holocaust museum and learning center mm-hmm. okay in st louis oh that's good to know we'll survivor to- stories we'll have a link to it on our on our website um Absolutely. I have a question for sure. you, Michelle. You know, when you visited Scotland, you talked about kind of the weight of some of the places that you visited. You could feel kind of the ghosts of the past. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so I'm curious in visiting Anne Frank's hiding place, did you feel the the weight of that experience still existing in that space? So I was younger, so I wasn't as in a aware of you know feeling other people you know other energies and and being able to put like an explanation behind it but i can tell you that and and that possibly it was right you know up there in the anne frank house and and the closedness of it um i i i don't recall that it would be oh i felt their energy other than being able to put myself you know envision myself in her shoes and trying to imagine what that what what that could possibly have felt like. Um, a, a similar experience that was, was very unnerving was when we were we had visited Dachau um, outside of Munich. Dachau is a beautiful, beautiful town, just gorgeous. And we were there about April. Um, it was April of 1990. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to Dachau, which is a concentration camp and uh, not as large as Auschwitz, but it was, um, it was still pretty pretty big place and uh, I was t- I was kind of stunned by the uh, the whitewash you know all, it was all this white rock right and the uh, they had barracks and now granted it's 1990 I don't know what it looks like today but um, they had the barracks that represented what it what it was like in the beginning and like how many bunks you know as the years went on and how the more and more people they would shove into the same space and that was again it was it, was, it felt artificial because it was so clean right because mm-hmm. it was you know it was just a mm-hmm. representation mm-hmm. of what had been there because of course that was all gone but 
the crematoria was still the same crematoria oh. that they had used, and the gas chamber was still there, but they had they had not started to use the gas chamber at Dachau before the war ended. But they took us through the through the tour. And I remember getting to the to the opening of the Brausbad, like the shower room, I think is what it was called. Even though I knew it had never been used, I walked through that so fast. I was mm-hmm. so afraid yeah. of being stuck in there. And I felt, yeah. I just tried, you know, that I, I couldn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in there because... Mm-hmm. And it had never been used. And so now mm-hmm. looking back, you know, is it that I, did I feel the, the pain of the people that were there? Yeah. I don't know. I, but I do know as a 21-year-old, I, it was the fastest part. And then we, mm-hmm. they took us around back and they showed us the crematorium and the ovens. And that was all, all very, very life-changing. And as an American girl traveling Europe, backpacking across Europe, right, you know, this is after the wall had come down in Berlin. And I just kept saying to myself, what we as people who live in the United States need to do is we need to get out of the United States and you need to go travel and you need to talk to people and you need to go meet them because we, if we don't, we are destined to repeat these yeah. things. And it scares me what is happening in our country today, what's I, happening to the children on the border. You know, yeah. I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. it just tears me apart. And, and then sometimes I, I get, I get tired, right. And, and of you know, yeah. am I one voice and how can I change? How can I, how can I, you know, make a difference? And, you know, and you, you might give up a little bit then have to remember, you know what, if all of those freedom fighters or the, the um, radio free Europe, you know, voices or the, the underground and the resistance in France or and they given had, up. Had any of them mm-hmm. yeah. had given up, you know, how much longer would Hitler have had been around, right? You know, I'm sorry. I don't know how we got off on this. No, oh. I mean, but it's well, all. But I would say that not just um, Americans need to get out of the country, this country, but just move around within the country. We are such mm-hmm. a diverse nation, and our country is big enough that there are such a variety of people and places and I remember when I went to college which is a long time ago um, I grew up in southern Arkansas so I went to college in Charlotte North Carolina okay and it was a women's college because that was I went to college beginning in 1960 so I'm on the front side of the 60s Oh, and, that's an exciting time to be in college. Yes, except that most of, you know, 65 to 68, I think, are sort of the pivotal time in the 60s. That's okay. when, you know, oh. really um, things started. Maybe 63 with mm-hmm. Kennedy's assassination. assassination. So, but anyway, what I experienced was the feel that I was with a group of young women who many of them, when you say Arkansas, they had no idea where that was. I mean, it could, it's, if it's on the other side of the Appalachians, 
they you might as well have been talking about California for them. They just had no concept. They had yeah. they had grown up in North Carolina or Virginia, perhaps, or maybe Georgia, but it was very parochial. Mm-hmm. Um, sense there, and I was the strange one who had gone so far to go to college, so right. far away, into a what felt very much to be like an alien culture. Talk about, <laughs> and you were just going to Arkansas to North Carolina. Talk, but but I was I went from sort of the South to the real South. Mm-hmm. And the southern culture of yeah, it is it is amazing to me how many people within the United States don't actually like when you say um you, you know gosh I don't know Colorado or or uh, or any of the Utah or you know if you stay some of these states that are kind of like towards the middle they're like you put a map in front of them a lot of people would have a, have a difficulty actually pointing to the right well, state Well we're in flyover and, country right mm-hmm. right well yeah and that's just unfortunate for everybody out there that considers this flyover country because there's so much there's so there's so much range of interesting people and experiences and art and music mm-hmm. and and literature yeah. that has come from you know right here. this flyover yeah. country which is uh, thankfully a lot of the conversations that we have we have cultivated throughout our time yeah. on the podcast we've yeah. been able to have conversations with all mm-hmm. of these amazing people that are in flyover country right <laughs> well much like well, I was going to say, much we're like the, the clitoris, it's just yeah. flyover country. <laughs> well, but we're the area with bread sliced bagels, you know. <laughs> we, we talked about that on the last episode. Yeah, it's yeah. really yeah. hot news, man. Oh, my god! But by the time this, this episode airs, it'll be like... What bread sliced bagels? What was that? Either that, or it that will was be so last month. It will be universal. Everyone will will have discovered that they can get more cream cheese per bagel, and will have right. And my daughter, she even messaged me from Portland. She was like, "Mom, what is the deal? Why is everybody in the nation up in arms over St. Louis? St. Louis cuts bagels." <laughs> and I said, "Well, they're just jealous because they didn't <laughs> think about that, you know." And she was like, okay, all right. And then she said, have you ever eaten it like that? I said, well, I have. (laughs) Here we are, innovators of the nation. Again, (laughs) always. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's take a real quick break and uh, put some more of this fantastic wine in our glasses. Fantastic. I love to see you drinking the wine so happily, Michelle. Um, And so quickly. Yeah. Because I like it so much. In fact, when we come back, I think we need your description. I know. I'll give it to you. All right. Let's come back. Did you know 100% cotton is a super fiber when it comes to women's bodies? Not only is it super soft and super breathable, it's clinically proven to help maintain women's health and prevent infection. But almost none of the underwear on the market is 100% cotton, and what is out there is more granny panty than fun, unlike any of the panties you've talked about, Michelle. Well, they always match the wine we drink, and we've never had granny panty wine on the show. Thank goodness. Let's keep it that way. (laughs) Well, you can feel sexy and confident in the layer that's closest to you with all cotton Francie pants. 
We love Francie Pants and we think you will too. You can shop at lovefrancypants.com and use the code CSTP for 25% off your entire order. Our code, that is CSTP in all capital letters, is good now through April 30th. So get over to lovefrancypants.com and find your perfect panty today. With fresh glasses and five million bites of cheese later, we are good to go, right? Indeed. We're good to continue along this quite... Heavy road. Quite (laughs) an intense conversation already. Yeah. Yeah. I was like on the break. I didn't... How did we go from gun control and the Holocaust all, all in one first 10 minutes and we were just talking about red wine from Australia. Well, this is just how natural conversations flow. You just go where they take you. It is. But it's spring so it feels as if finally. (laughs) So... Yeah. You know, the sun has been out for two days in a row. The flowers are beginning mm-hmm. to bloom. So, you know. Getting some color in the yard just under the leaves. And I was like, oh, now I got to move those leaves out of the way. <laughs> Thanks so much, springtime and Mother Nature. My son that day, he was like, Mom, we really need to get out there and clean up, you know, when it gets a little warmer. And I go, just like everybody else needs to get out there and clean up their yards when it gets a little warmer. We won't be the first ones. <laughs> no. And we won't be the last. This is where I like to go middle ground. <laughs> and now you have a chainsaw you can use when you're in case anything. You well, know. it would be a bit excessive to use a chainsaw <laughs> on the burgeoning tulips and daffodils and the hyacinths. <laughs> I, I do know that. I mean, I am, I am an aggressive, I'm sorry, an, an, an enthusiastic chainsaw user, but I am not. I am not a horror film chainsaw user. No, thankfully. Yes. Thankfully. Um, yeah. Anyway, again, uh, Carol Devon is with us today, and uh, Carol is not only a phenomenal woman and <laughs> has, a, has a wonderful story, but um, and not only is, isn't really the right word to have used, but in addition to being a phenomenal woman mm-hmm. and having a great story, um, Carol comes to us from like, uh, she was a recommended as somebody we needed to meet and have on our show because we would enjoy the level and the depths of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I can say from our meetings and discussions, we definitely have enjoyed our conversations. But Carol, I, I would really appreciate it if you would give our listeners just a little, just a little tiny bit of like your background. And, um, you know, just from listening to you, they're not going to know these things about you. Okay. <laughs> well, they already know I grew up in Arkansas and went to college in North Carolina. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the little Southern accent you have might have given them a little clue that there was some of that. See, going I on. don't hear my Southern accent anymore. <laughs> I think I've lived so many places. But I, um, I went to college as a music major. Okay. Really? I, have a, I have a degree in music with major in voice okay. and choral conducting. So oh, I was singing and so forth. Um, was married the summer that I graduated from college. And um, my husband went to graduate school at Vanderbilt. So for two years, I was two and a half years, I was um, working. 
And this were you was, living together at that point in time, married, and he was. In, you both were at Vanderbilt, correct? And he was go- attending. We okay. we both graduated in '64, and then were married at the end of the summer, and moved to Nashville to Vanderbilt. Lived on the campus, and. Um, were you able but, to perform musically? I mean, Nashville's... I, I didn't really... Um, I sang in church choirs usually mm-hmm. and did some solo work that way, but I'd never really tried to be a singer professionally. Mm-hmm. I had planned to teach music in schools, you know, public school music, but that was not a possibility in Nashville at that time because of the way they were organized and so forth. Because um, you were a woman? Well, it's interesting because the schools were set up as, first of all, it's very difficult to get, to begin as a high school choral music person. Usually you would start in elementary school and do that for a while and then you move would up, m- like go through the ranks. Up, yes. Okay. So like a promotion. Okay. Um but Nashville at that time and you know, I have no idea if they're still that way, but they had a what was called a self-contained classroom, which meant that one teacher did it all. So, right. so if you were the first grade teacher, you taught your first subjects. graders. Yeah, and they did have a few mu- music specialists mm-hmm. who uh, rotated through the schools and helped the teachers, and maybe, but they didn't pull kids out for special music classes as you might have expected. That was the pattern then. And so I had an interview with the superintendent of schools there. And I had come with really good recommendations and all this stuff. I thought I was God's gift to the music scene. But the the public school music scene. (laughs) But um, he told me that they got all the music teachers they needed from the local college in Nashville. And if, by some chance, they ran out from that supply source and needed another one, they would certainly want someone who had been to school in Tennessee. Oh, wow. And so it was handwriting on the wall stated pretty bluntly that with a degree from outside Tennessee, I was never going to get a job. So I ended up working as a copy editor for the book publishing um, division of the Methodist Publishing House, which was in Nashville. I'd never done that, but the woman who was the supervisor said, we don't expect to find people with experience in this field here. (laughs) So we take people who... We're only editing books here, people. (laughs) But So they take people who who are literate and can spell and no punctuation, and and they train them to be Mm. copy editors. So for two and a half years, I edited book manuscripts, and it was as interesting as the book you were working on. So what was maybe one of the more interesting projects that you worked on when you were there? Um, 
not books of sermons by okay. somebody who was important enough in the Methodist church that they got their <laughs> uh-huh. sermons published. Uh-huh. I, I worked on a couple of children's books. Oh. I worked on um, a woman um, who was a... I'm Presbyterian, and I worked on a, a manuscript by a woman who had been one of the first Presbyterian women to be ordained, and oh. Georgia Harkness. And so well, I had contact been... with the author about the work and so forth. So so that was interesting. But anyway, then so, Bill came— uh, So that would have been, a, I mean, a, a, a female minister— in what in the sixties, late sixties? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been pretty groundbreaking. Presbyterians at the didn't time, start right? ordaining women to ministry until the fifties in the Northern Church. That was before the two. There was a um, restoration of the National Church. It had been split at the time of the Civil War. I did not know that. And so it was finally reunited in the eighty three. So nineteen eighty three. So it took. More than hundred years to to get wow. these two groups. So I grew up in the Southern Church, and um, but anyway, mm. that's fascinating. They, when I went to college, um, women were not yet being ordained in that I knew of. So, so when you I came across gonna, this manus- manuscript as a copy editor, did that get you excited, or had you already known about this woman? I I had heard of this woman okay. already. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a pleasure, for sure, yeah. for me to be able to work with someone in that in that role. Of course, so, yeah, yeah. But actually, I I didn't actually meet or have personal contact with um, a Presbyterian woman, clergy woman, until I came to St. Louis. In in the early in eighty five, we okay. moved back to St. Louis. So anyway, so, so I was like, married to an army officer, right, for, right, but for like, more than twenty years. But then this is kind of interesting because you keep saying you know the, the Presbyterian clergywoman, but you are a clergywoman, correct? A Presbyterian. Oh, cler- when did you become a clergywoman? I started the seminary in nineteen eighty nine. Okay. And I was actually ordained in nineteen ninety three. So this is the second half of my life. Oh, gosh, okay. So what drew you to go to seminary? Were, were you divorced already at this time, or were you um, still married? I had started. my. I was taking just one course at Eden Seminary, oh. which is in Webster. Yeah. Um, just to try it out. Just to, And um, during that first semester that I was taking the one course— was when my husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore. And so, you know, wow. we aren't. We weren't. There you go. So, uh, okay, I'm going to slow this down a okay, little bit. Because I've, I've this, is a, this is a I've conversation, gone right? college to right, well, being divorced, well, right? Well, actually, when you said your husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore, that's when I'm like, bing, 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 bing. like, uh, questions, questions. So, did you get this feeling that there was a disconnect between the two of you? Were were you sad about him saying, "I don't want to be married anymore"? Was he what what led to this? Was this was this a crazy relationship, or were you like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it"? What what happened? Um, he just died in December of this, you know, this year. So okay. it's I I kind of think now about 
what I want to say about that. Um, he was a, a person who had a lot of emotional challenges. He, he was a very unhappy person, mm-hmm. and I knew that about him. Um, he was disappointed in himself and life and many things. I, looking back, I realized he um, suffered from his time in Vietnam in ways that I didn't oh, recognize at sure. the time. Yeah. Um, but I was completely surprised when he said he wanted to to Move divorce, yeah. separate, because um, I knew he was unhappy. I didn't know that he was going to focus that on me. Sure. So at the time, it was a total shock to me. Maybe it shouldn't have been. That's my. You know, optimistic How old self. Was your family? Were your, were your kids um, grown at that time? I had or one they... son in one son in college and one in high school. Okay, yeah. And was it a shock for them as well? Um, I don't know if it was a shock. Mm-hmm. I think maybe other people looking who are Outside. living in the same house with you, they maybe have a different perspective. I, I I know that 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 um, they responded to it differently. My older son was more, at least to me, mm-hmm. was more matter of fact, and you know, yeah, um, he was well, already, he was already away house. from home. He was in college. Yeah, um, my younger son was was more visibly upset about it. Sure. I think it was it was hard for him, and and I. I get that. It was yeah. hard for all of us. But I made the decision to stay. I I just kept on with the seminary and reinventing myself mm-hmm. and How long know. did it take you to chip away at the program? I it's a 3-year program normally. It took me four and a half years because oh. I couldn't uh, starting out I was taking one course at a time. Yeah. Um so it took me a while, okay. but um you know, that's not No, that doesn't I mean if you were just one class at a time that sounds actually very well, ambitious. I was able to go full time as I moved on, but um, And was your goal to always have a a congregation to to lead a congregation? I I came to that decision that there are many different kinds of ministry mm-hmm. for me um, because I I enjoy preaching and leading worship that is one of my favorite parts and um, as a woman yeah I because I wanted to preach so that put me in as a solo pastor in a smaller congregation. Because if if you're an associate, even now, if you're an associate pastor in a larger congregation, it's usually the senior pastor who is the preacher. Okay. The other pastors get the, an occasional chance. Do, so. They do some admin work. Or <laughs> the associate pastors. <laughs> or you focus on Christian education or youth ministry or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I really, I liked, I really liked being involved in all of it you know the the whole i think it's an integrated system and um you know 
What was your that. What was the very first time you gave a sermon? Do you remember that experience? Mm-hmm. Was it terrifying? Was it exciting? Like how How did it go? How did you feel? I was in a preaching class. You know, a lot of people come to seminary and they have already had an occasion to preach. When I was a youth in church, and we did our youth Sunday, I was a girl, and so I did other parts of the service, and one of the boys gave the sermon. That was just that was how just the it way was it done. was. Okay. That was just the way it was. Okay. Um, so I came to seminary having never. I mean, I had been in front of people, but usually as a singer or in yeah. a choir or choir director or something like that. So I did my first sermon in preaching class, and. It was, wow. You came alive. I love this. And I got really good feedback from my peers in the group. And um, the rest is history, so to speak. I still love preaching. And even though I'm retired, I'm still doing it um, Mm -hmm. as the opportunities come up. You serve as like a a substitute when other pastors need Mm -hmm. to go on vacation. It's called pulpit supply, usually. Pulpit supply, okay. So I did that yesterday, and I'm doing it this coming Sunday for somebody, and I got a couple more in April, so... Wow. Marvelous. Wow. Oh, that's great. And that, that helped you redefine what you thought your life was going to be like when your husband said, I don't want to be married anymore. Mm-hmm. And you were like, okay, oh my gosh, what, what does I, that mean? What am I going to do? And so I guess the question is when that, when that life changing moment, when your husband delivered his plans for his the rest of his life without you, how, how, how frightened were you, and that might not be the right word, but like, he, were you hesitant of how your life was going to be now? And then through the seminary and being a part of that education, um, did did it just sort of open up and clear the way? And said, this is yeah, actually where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, was there clarity that was brought by... Yeah, like, if you had not been attending that class yeah. when this happened. That's hard for me to imagine from this perspective. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do think, and we talk about call, your call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been, I had worked with a, a woman, a clergywoman who was in a, an interim position at the church that I was part of. And um, I and a dear friend were involved in worship planning there at this church. And um, so this woman said to me, after we had worked on planning a special series of of services, uh-huh. I, I called my friend and myself the unpaid staff. Professional, unpaid professional staff because that we functioned that way. We had a very gracious senior pastor who really let us do these kinds of things at, and at no cost. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and we were good at it. Right. Um, but she said to me, you know, you should go to seminary. I was older than you are when I went, and if I could do it, you can do it too. Well, at the time, I didn't quite see how that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's a process. For me, it was a process. Yeah. It was an understanding and allowing myself to see this as a possibility. It's a great example of a woman lifting another woman, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. that she saw that you have these, that you had the qualities, and that it, you would you would be served as well as would be of great service mm-hmm. to others by going down that path. Yeah. I just think that's that's like amazing and awesome and. Yeah. The life-changing gifts that we can give to each other as women by supporting each other. It's just... Absolutely. Yeah, and recognizing, mm-hmm. recognizing that that those gifts in each other, you know, mm-hmm. and our skills and our talents. And, yeah. But I think it's also important to recognize that, I mean, one of the differences in my life, because I'm a lot older than you all are, um, is to see examples if you see someone who is doing something, a wo- another woman who is doing something that you have not really thought of yourself doing, but it's hard to imagine that. If you've never seen that, experienced that from another woman, um, not then it was much more challenging. I yeah. think now we we have women in various professions and we have we, examples. Well, and then at the same time, because we have women in almost every profession that there is, we become not as, we, we take it for granted. Oh, of course you could do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you want to be a fighter pilot, you could do that, right? Of course you want to be an astronaut. You, of course you can do that. If you want <laughs> to be, let's get the space suits right. right the right size, right? <laughs> right. So, yes. so, so instead, we don't see that those, I mean, other than being president of the United States. No, and, very and, true. And, you know, my theory on that is, is that, they would have had to pay Hillary Clinton the exact same wage that they had paid Barack Obama and all the other male uh, presidents, and they just couldn't do, do that. They like, we cannot pay her the same yeah, amount, yeah. so let's elect will somebody she, else. Will she take a will decrease she, in pay? Would she take seventy <laughs> percent of the of the fee? Yeah. So that was I, it. I don't see that as the main issue. <laughs> I was. I admit, I've I've very upset because I so want to see a woman president and I became very discouraged after that defeat um, thinking as old as I am now will I actually see this in my lifetime I'm not sure anymore I I cried when I voted for her because I was so excited for the opportunity to vote mm-hmm. for a woman for president, mm-hmm. and I bawled when mm. the outcome was um, mm. announced. I was because it was depress it was depressing. Yeah, I was staying with my grandchildren that week because their parents were on an anniversary trip, and um, Wednesday morning, my mm. granddaughter would have been. Um, 11, I guess. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and do the math. Right, right. Um, But she got up on Wednesday morning, and she came out, and she said, I am feeling really sad today. And, Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
I get it. Yeah. I am really yeah. sad also. Just right. even on a smaller example was when um, Jean Carnahan was running for re-election. Mm-hmm. You know, she stepped into her mm-hmm. husband's, mm-hmm. her husband's, uh, well, she won his his spot, mm-hmm. you know, Jim, against Jim Talent when um, Mel had uh, that the plane crash and it killed her husband, Mel Carnahan. And so Jean had that spot and then May, um, Jean was running for re-election and I, I apologize that I didn't remember who it was. It might have been Plunt. I don't, not quite sure. But my daughter was about six or seven, almost eight maybe, and she was just like so excited. She was just Jean Carnahan and, you know, how you are at that age. Mm-hmm. Like think of, I was thinking of, you know, how you described your own granddaughter. And when Jean lost... Mm-hmm. A Megan, like she openly wept, and you know these dreams we have as women, you know, mm-hmm. of of seeing somebody like that, you know, and 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 there's somebody that we care about and um, have have put our hope into, and to lose because you know because we can't heaven forbid you have a you have a woman senator or you have a woman president or and and then you then we flip back to the beginning of this episode and we talked about the strength of the the. Prime Minister of New Zealand, right. who is a woman. We look at the strength of Angela Merkel, and oh my God, the the complete and utter amazing strength of Theresa May. Even though it is crazy time for her in in Brexit, she is mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. trying to do what she thinks she needs to be doing. And I I don't I I don't know if um I mean David Cameron he like left right he was mm-hmm. like yeah. see ya. Right, you know, sometimes the the worst. It's one of those impossible situations where nobody's going to come out looking good. Right. So let's yeah. let you know. But the woman still is is there doing what they're going to do. And and I'm excited. I'm excited that more women we get into Congress, and the more women who run for local offices, and the more women mm-hmm. you get on school boards, or you know, city councils, or you know, planning and zoning commissions, mm-hmm. whatever it is, involved at any level. Of a place of leadership, right? That's yeah, what we're talking about here. Because then you can make the the systemic mm-hmm. changes that need to be made, and that the things that are important to us. I mean, FMLA came about during Clinton's time because Hillary was behind him. Hey, right? Hey, yeah. This you need to take a. You, you mm-hmm. need to think about this. You need to think about this. You know. And if if we had, you know, 49 female senators and one male senator, I can bet you there would be an, a, a ban on assault weapons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I someone said to me um, at some time, I don't, since the 16 election, that... Um, she thought that perhaps we wouldn't have a female president until both parties were running females against each other. Until your only choice, choice was a female. Was a female. Oh, wow. Interesting perspective. I, I don't see that I happening. I was going to say, what's the likelihood of that? Yeah, But it's, um, it's an interesting perspective mm-hmm. to think that um, that makes me a little crazy also to think yeah, that that's yeah. the only way that'll happen, that it we don't value a woman as opposed to a man. What, which uh, is kind of crazy when you think about this, all right? I know I'm throwing this out here, you guys. Like, hold on. Like, right? hold on. Yeah. All right. Come with me along this idea, this theory I have. 
You can go to the movies and you can watch Wonder Woman. You can watch mm-hmm. um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can watch the new Marvel movie that has everybody like up, you know, so excited about the female lead. And you can watch like all of these sort of science fictiony superheroes. It's fantasy though, and it's one right? woman against the world, right? And she's, you know, and and she's this superpower. And they're like, oh my god, we love her. They were great. But you take that, you take a, a woman. And she has to have those same qualities in her life to, to survive in her world. And she's a bitch. And mm, she's, she's hard sexy. to work with. She's too sexy. Yeah. She's too this. And then they, and they, they try to break her, her, break her apart. But yeah. they will adore. We can fantasize about her, but we can't in all reality be led by her. Right, right, yeah. because heaven, yeah, but, you know, as long as she's walking, you know, riding around in her, like, you know, wedge high heels. Yeah, and little and, like, short some, skirt. Like, a and tiny, bustier. You know, a yeah. bustier, yeah. right, and perfect makeup and lipstick and hair, and that's okay, especially if she can, like, pull that gun out and, like, eliminate all of the, <laughs> all of the evil people in the world. But again, I mean, that is very clearly... Hunger Games, that was a woman. Again, though, theme. that is fantasy and everybody knows it's fantasy they can celebrate that but if it comes close to any kind of reality then it's scary right you know and then then it's a threat and i think part of it is the leadership qualities that people have and how the things that we admire in a male leader in a female leader, are not admired. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, assertiveness. Right. Um, you know, take charge. Right. They're intelligence. In a male, that is essential. In a female, people are saying, well, isn't bit. she pushy? Isn't <laughs> right. she right. uppity? Whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And we haven't gotten to the point in our society. I think we're better. It is better because we do have more women taking. Yeah. And you can try to figure out where that started. You know, World War II, all the men were gone, and so the women had to do things. Then when the when the men came back, it's like we have to things can't possibly go back to the way they were but there was a real attempt yeah to do that um yeah the year that my husband was in vietnam was a changing year for me because i had a i had a baby mm. i had to be in charge of everything and um had to make your decisions. You right. had to take and, care of the bills. And once you've done that for a year, which is a substantial length of time, yeah. then you you will never be the same person you were at the beginning of that year. You've changed. You've had to adapt and um, become more independent, and you don't lose that once you've developed those skills or life skills really they are i i I think i wish i wish that the the male populace out there that was so afraid of a female in charge could just take one or two steps backwards and realize 
that with a woman in charge, she is not going to kill you. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, yeah. how many wars have been started by a female? I can't. I, I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm not like, you I, know, this yeah. great history person, but I can't think of any wars that have been started by a female. And any listeners out there, yeah, you can there feel has, free to like email us, us and let know. us know. But it is not in our nature to be destructive Mm -hmm. and to eliminate and to so sometimes i wonder if men are so afraid of a woman being in charge is because they ascribe their own personality traits to her yeah i mean so often just as humans we we are projecting when we're making judgments upon Mm -hmm. others so that makes a lot of sense absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i so i just so I, i put it out there like just you take a little chill pill. We're not going to eliminate you. <laughs> no, we we like you. We like you. We need you. Yeah, we do. We, 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 we enjoy do. you. We, yeah, you know, we do. You know, we do enjoy. It would you. be nice, wouldn't it, if it weren't a competition? If we could somehow recognize, because we need a variety of skills. Mm-hmm. No one person does everything well, and so you need to be able to balance. The, the skills that fit being president of the United States are going to be different maybe than the skills of uh, running a business because they aren't sure. really the same. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of yeah. they get compared a great yeah. deal, but... But they're not. But, but there are particular gifts and skills that people have, and if they're smart... Yeah. Or intelligent, maybe is a better word. They can learn to adapt. They can learn new skills. They mm-hmm. can hone the ones they have. Yeah, I mean, I think isn't it isn't it Brave New World that it talks about? You know that all of these, all of the skills are. You know, you've got the ditch diggers to the political, like to the leaders. You know, mm-hmm. like every, all of us. There is a need for all of us, and we just need to. Um, you know, uh, well, if we listen and we recognize and we respect the role that everybody contributes to, mm-hmm. that I mean, if you were born it's a dish digger, important. doesn't mean you have to remain a dish digger. If you don't want to remain a dish digger, well, we're gonna let's provide you avenues for to bring yourself someplace else. If that's but it's your also desire, okay, if you want to be, but a if dish you want to remain a dish right? digger, stay a dish digger, right. absolutely. Um, but I, I feel like so so many times we we. Don't show respect because we're afraid, and we're afraid that somebody else is going to take what you have away. And we think we think of uh, in in terms of scarcity versus abundance. Very true. And yeah. we we think that there's only this one size of the pie instead of the fact that the pie can continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think we shortchange ourselves as right. a society. And as as a as a, a globe, we shortchange mm-hmm. ourselves. And I I just wish I could figure out why why the those angry angry voices take a hold. Whether we're talking in the United States or the UK or Syria or you know um, Iran or the other other pl- places, Saudi Arabia. Why, why the angry and small thinkers? Why they take a hold? Well, I think when you said fear, I mm-hmm. believe is underneath, and and the need or desire. I think it's actually a need that some people have for power, 
because that protects themselves from mm-hmm. their, you know, the fear of being eliminated and exterminated. I also, yeah. I don't know, there's a part of me that as I get older, I, I you know me, Michelle, mm-hmm. I am an optimist. I'm the silver lining person, you know. I am You're the glitter silver I, lining I, person. I, I am. But the older that I get, I feel like I, I am seeing a a lack of humanity, like a lack of like real deep thoughtful humanity all around and and to the point where I'm like I think we're just less evolved as a species than I would like to really believe. We're still very volatile. You know, where there are a group of us that are very that are okay. high thinkers. Well, and I think and- I think everything you've said is just valid, but I think you just gave an entire excuse for treating people for terribly. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't no think it's because they're less evolved. I think we wish I think maybe there was a maybe a naive hope that we were more evolved. But I I think Bad behavior is bad behavior, and totally we true. just don't need to accept it. I mean, I, that's where I'm, I mean, I, I agree that bad yeah. behavior is bad behavior, but I just think that there are a, a a lot of the humans that are out there are still closer to. This is going to sound really bad, but well, I'm just gonna say a, closer to to animals, to monkeys, mm-hmm. or you know, than to cavemen. Th- to cavemen, then we. Then you know. Then the higher uh, learning. I, I I do I do feel that I way. Mean, how the exciting, fact that they're still so brutal about things. How exciting would it have been to have been like around during the Renaissance when all of this like higher level thinking was going on, right. or even back even like I think Simone so, de Beauvoir and John Paul Sartre, right? And existentialism. Uh, where's like our philosophy? I like mean, where's the where are those thoughts happening today? They've been back throughout history. There mm-hmm. have been thought leaders throughout history. Where are thought leaders? And there you know? are people operating today who will, 200 years from now, their names will be known. I think what I keep hoping and working toward is getting people once again committed to the common good. Yeah. Because right. unless we believe, we are very individualistic in our country, and it's gotten so out of whack that that we need to just get people back to where I don't matter to the exclusion of everyone else. Um, I, think I you, need I, other people, and we have to admit that no one does everything well, mm-hmm. and no one is more important than everyone else. Right, get the ego out but, of the way, right? right. I remember right. get uh, over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, we like to say that here on Clearly Speaking the Podcast. Just get over yourself, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, however, you said you know having a focus in on the common good, and I remember I had another uh, neighbor of mine in the neighborhood. Uh, obviously, neighbor neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> she, I asked her. This was at least fifteen years ago, at least. And she was so passionate about like the school board elections and and what was happening in the in the public schools and and I I naively was like why are why are you so bothered I mean like you know what's going on I mean because I, I was genuinely curious and she very cl- plainly said to me she said Michelle 
when you're in the hospital, you need to know that that orderly needs to know and can understand where he needs to take you and get you to the right place or the other person, need, and they came from a medical background, if they need to give you so much of whatever medicine that they can actually Please. add and subtract to get you the oh right kind. And she like laid it out to like, it is in your best interest that we have an educated populace. Very true. So true. It is in our best interest to work for the common good. And that takes back to way at the beginning when we were talking about um, people accepting the news or or not believing facts, not Mm -hmm. believing science, Mm -hmm. etc. If you're not educated... It doesn't. None of it makes any sense to you, so right. you're going to just dismiss it rather than being right. educated. And it's and and being educated is not a dirty word. It's no. not a four letter word. And it's not a not a uh, elite it, privilege. It, no, it should not be. be an elite privilege. Yeah. And being educated and in today's world, today's technology, it's right there at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might not have had that chance to have your parents buy your way into USC <laughs> or Yale or whatever they are, you know, but you still can. Libraries take it upon, are free. Take, thank, right? Thankfully, libraries are free and take it upon yourself to seek out mm-hmm. knowledge and not just take everything at face value. I think that's the most important part. In today's societies, you cannot take it at face value. You cannot just take it at the headline. Right. right. And then to work for the common good. Because when we and this is gonna sound so cliche, but when we when we all succeed, right? When when like everybody everybody is happy or even go beyond that cliche, but it's more like when mama is happy, everybody's happy, right? So like if we take care of each other, provide opportunities provide housing, provide food, what you know, however it's however the structure makes it happen, then we are all better off as yes. a society. When the when the least is raised, then we're all raised. Yeah. You know, we're we all rise yeah. based on the lowest common denominator. And and we don't there are a lot of people who don't accept that or understand that or Believe or, it, whatever or word dismiss you dismiss it. They yeah. dismiss it is not important. Do you think it's the majority of the people that don't believe it, or do you think it's the minority? What I think it's sense? a loud. I think they're loud. They may not be the majority, but they're loud. The optimist in me, yeah, I know, says I know. that it's a very vocal minority speaking out of fear, speaking. You know, conserving conservative comes from. Conserving, wanted, wanting to preserve, keep things the way they are. That's what mm-hmm. it is to conserve. So if you are doing well mm-hmm. in a, a in an a industry life situation that, that you're doing well to the detriment of someone else, but your self-interest is to keep things the way they are because you're doing well. As opposed to maybe offering some sacrifice or some. Um, well, too often they think that I have to. I have to maintain what I have at the expense of everybody else. 
and without really under- realizing that, you know, by lifting up somebody else, you might even magnify what you have. And how much is enough is a well, is a very valid right. question. Right. And we have such income inequality in our world today. How much is enough? I mean, if you have $1 billion, that's not enough. You know, you need $50 billion right. or something. And well, I can honestly I say that never I get don't that. have that problem of <laughs> not knowing what's not enough. I wouldn't enough. mind the challenge, right? <laughs> you want to win the lottery I, I and just do, be the one know. who proves that you can, I can do it. I can figure out a way that we all win. You know, so, I'd like the opportunity to screw yeah. away with $150 million. I'm okay with that. Yeah. At but least you one have, time. My problem is you have to buy a ticket, and I don't I buy tickets. I mean, tickets. that's my problem, too. I'm always like, well, you know, okay, when I win. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm not a gambler, It's a cup of you know? coffee somewhere. I mean, that, those $2 dollars A very local coffee shop, a half a cup of coffee, $2. But yeah, but depending on how often you play, that adds up, you know. I, sometimes it, I'd just rather buy a pair of shoes. So... Well, we're not going to go into so, your shoe I know. Habits, but anyway. So we are getting close to our bottle of wine. I think it's a good time. Um, winding down in. Michelle, I don't think you ever did give your description of this bottle of wine. So I think before we depart here, I think well, it's time. I I have I have loved this bottle this mm-hmm. bottle of wine. I mean, I know that you guys are kind of lukewarm on it. So I will, I like it. I do, but I'm not as you know, You're not as enthusiastic not about are. it. Yeah, um, I actually think that this is kind of like, um, uh, well, you kind of said it earlier. It's like, a, you know, this is like, you know, some grown-up panties. I mean, this is like some. This is to me, this wine is like um, Wonder Woman's um, <gasps> panties. You know, that like the strong, you know, along with the 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 um, wrist things that she has mm. going on and the bustier, just very, very strong. Very strong and... Um, I love that. N- now, Wonder now, Woman re- panties. Wonder Woman panties. Not necessarily that we would be walking around <laughs> dressed like that, but if you're well, drinking... Well, they're panties. If, they're on underneath. You can have the Wonder Woman panties on any day. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. So if you're thinking about how Wonder Woman stands there, <laughs> strong and, you know, with her hands on her hips and ready to take on the world... That's what you will feel like when you... Do you notice across the way we have a Wonder Woman t-shirt on? Uh, Eric knew. The, yes. Eric knew tonight when he was going to yes. help with our podcast. That- yes. We have a new sound engineer joining Sam tonight and uh, sporting a Wonder Woman t-shirt. He had no idea he was going to be a part of this conversation. For Welcome, Eric. <laughs> immortalized, immortalized in the podcast world. But yeah, so that's what I want you to think about. When you are drinking this bottle of Phoenix from Penley Estate from... Uh, mm-hmm. Kunawara. You will be born Australia. a Wonder Woman. You're going to feel like Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> you are. And Carol, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, well, it was my pleasure with us. us. We and have certainly covered the waterfront tonight, we haven't have. we? We <laughs> have. And, I, and I, I can honestly say I, I don't think we're, we haven't even scratched the surface on all the things that we can talk about. But, you know, what we'd like to say here 
and we truly believe is, is we don't drink with our friends just one time. So maybe in the future, if you're willing to come back and sure. we'll continue talking sure, some more. That would be fun. Awesome. You all are not really as scary as some people might think you are. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're, we, um, we're, we're definitely, uh, we're all for the common good, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Well, so, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. If you have any comments to share on the show, please give us a call at 812-727-0794. I apologize I said that so fast. I'm just excited I haven't memorized. <laughs> and be sure to uh, like all of our socials and please um, share away. Share, leave reviews on iTunes and all the places that you listen to us and share it with your friends because that is the only way that other people are going to hear about Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. But we really appreciate you and we will see you next week. Absolutely. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers. We love you.